Hello, and welcome to Reading Between the Reels. This episode is going to be a little different as it's part two of our conversation about The Last Jedi. If you haven't listened to the first part, you can go ahead and listen to that. It's the episode right before this one. When we left off, Dan was just about to explain to us some of his thoughts about Ray being a nobody. So I'll go ahead and let Dan pick up where we left off in our last episode. All right, can I do it now? Is this my chance? <laughs> yep, that, yeah, yeah, go for it. That's the segue. Okay. <laughs> That's the segue. It was a good one. I enjoyed the ride. I, the thing that the reason why I've always liked that cave sequence and why I think Ray should be a nobody is how much does she even know about Obi Wan Kenobi? By the way, does she does she even know who he is? I doubt I mean, it. that that's for us, right? Yeah. I've never been, and this is again being someone who was raised by a single mom and, and as a teacher, as in like well, both of you have seen plenty of kids who come from families that are not traditional, right? You don't have to be defined by who your parents are. If that's the case, there are a lot of people that are in a lot of trouble, right? That I don't find that to be very relatable or comforting at all. The fact that she can carve her own path carve her own destiny when she is in that massive line of rays that's that's everyone in the world waiting in their lives waiting in line the line of life waiting to see where you're going to be when you're five when you're 10 when you're 15 when you have your high school diploma when you have your college diploma when you have your first job when you get married when you have kids when you get retired you're waiting and waiting for things to happen eventually there is an in, a light at the end of the tunnel there's a place to finally come face to face with who you are or who you're supposed to be. And when she sees that breathless moment, when she the, the fog clears and she actually sees herself, she sees that it's, I'm me. That's okay. I'm just me. That's enough. That is more than enough. I don't have to be Luke or Han or Han's daughter or whoever's daughter. I can just be Ray. To me, that is so beautiful and so comforting. And to me, that would be less, I mean, you're not Michael Jordan's son anymore. You're not Magic Johnson's son anymore. You're just Ray. You don't have to live up to some legacy. You can create and forge your own legacy. That has got to be so freeing. Talk about removing the shackles of burden of greatness that you may or may not want where you actually get to choose for yourself, right? I mean, the great thing about one of the many, many, many great things about Hamlet, to me, the best narrative of all time, is that Hamlet's great, his you know, his great purpose, his great burden, there are many, but one of them is that he's the, he's the prince of Denmark, but he doesn't get to ascend to the throne. So there's a, that's another problem where he's like, wait a minute, but I do have a destiny. I don't even know if I want to get it, but it's been taken from me. She doesn't even have to face that. To me, that's why when she goes into this dark side, you know, that where, they, where Luke is worried about her, that's why it doesn't really phase her all that much and why I had a hard time thinking that she even had a conflict of worrying that she was becoming a dark ray because she already proved now, of course, you got to prove it repeatedly in your life, but she pretty much proved to herself that that fruit is not, it's forbidden, and that can stay in that section of the grocery store, again, with the food. <laughs> I, I don't need that. I don't need that. I can just be myself, and that's more than enough. I, I find that to be so empowering, and I wish that is how it stayed. And I'm going to say this very quickly because we're not talking about Rise of Skywalker, or we're not supposed to. <laughs> That's be. good. I don't even remember <clears throat> her. But in when they're, I forget the planet name. Craig and Dan, you, you both know uh, where they're having the big party on the desert. Basana. Basana. Yeah. In yeah. Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. yeah. At the beginning. And, of the, just Ray. And uh, that one person comes up to Ray and goes, "Like, who are you?" And she answers, "Just Ray." 
that was the perfect response. And at the end of Rise of Skywalker, when again, she gets asked, who is she? Just Rey. That's, that's what the end of Rise of Skywalker should have been. Because I think that speaks directly to what you're saying, Dan, which is that, you know, part of story, the hero self-actualizes. They, they mm-hmm. take action. They take ownership of their own lives. And like you said, their own destiny. And I think Ray does that to a large extent, but then it just, it doesn't quite match up with what is said at the end of the movie. Yeah. Right. I, well, and I think I can actually make Ray Skywalker work, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was going to say, I, I will, I will play devil's advocate when we do Rise of Skywalker I, and I, argue I the other side. And argue Ray the Skywalker other side works. just because. I don't, think, I don't think it does. I don't think you'll ever convince me. <laughs> You should, well, I don't have to have you read you. the Star Wars book? There's a, there's a pretty good sentence in there that you might change your mind. Yeah. I have some thoughts about that. And it's not that we have to agree. In fact, it's more interesting when we don't. But If it's not uh, in the I film, will... it's not text. If it's not text, <laughs> I told you, you it's can't. a multimedia project. It all counts. Uh, so, you know what, Ray? Awesome. Let's talk about Finn for a second. Because... Uh, so, you know, some of the arguments of we don't need Rose, I think is laughable because we need Rose and DJ for Finn's development. And it goes back to what I said earlier about the fact that this film has to do with the heavy lifting for the character development because it happens immediately after Force Awakens. And Finn is not, at the end of Force Awakens, Finn is not committed to the resistance at all. He's just there to save Rey. That's all he's about. He's just leaving the and first to yell order. her name. <laughs> and to yell her name a lot, which he'll continue to do in the next film. And he, in this one. <laughs> yeah, in this one. He does it all the time. So he has to have character development through this film. He has to decide what side of the war he's actually going to be on. He's got to pick a side. And he has to have Rose and DJ as kind of the angel and devil on his shoulder to kind of show him the two sides of the war so that he has to join. He has to pick a side. And so I think it's intellectually dishonest to look at that and go, well, we don't need those characters. Well, you, what do you, but you want Finn to be a hero. I think, I don't think there's anyone that doesn't want or expect Finn to be a hero, but he's not at the beginning of this film. I mean, he's clearly just running away. Now you need Rose and you need Cantobite for those experiences for him. The one thing I will say is, why are we not getting any force sensitivity in this movie? Again, I'm going to quibble on the small things because it's hinted at in... Uh, Force Awakens, and of course it's followed up with Rise of Skywalker, and of course there's disjointedness between that, but it's not even addressed in this film. And I, and again, maybe I'm misreading what I got from Force Awakens that we're kind of hinting that yes, in fact, you know, that was the Force awakening in him that caused him to uh, to not fire on the villagers on Jakku. But it's not even alluded to in the slightest bit in this one, and I, mm. I think I would have appreciated even just a just a one-off line somewhere in there uh, about that. What do you guys think about that? Oh, I I think him not firing on the villagers is because he has a conscience and a soul. I don't think it has anything to do with being force sensitive. And I, besides him holding a lightsaber a couple of times, I don't think he shows any force sensitivity at all. We want him to. In fact, when we, when I was in celebration, Anaheim, uh, right before the force awakens came out and I saw one of the, pieces of concept art where Finn had a lightsaber. I was like, what? And that that's kind of cool. Um, but it was never really brought forward. I, I agree with you that Rose is essential. I think she's a wonderful character. Kelly Marie Tran is, is an amazing person. She's super kind and just very charming and a great actor. 
I I don't think, and maybe this is what you meant to Craig, but to me, Finn isn't deciding what side to be on. He already knows he doesn't want to be in the first word. He's trying to decide, do I should I stay or should I go? Right? If I stay, there will be trouble, you know. <laughs> but for him, it's more about do I want to be selfish or do I want to be selfless? Sure. And it, it doesn't get much more beautiful than trying to commit the ultimate act of love at the end of this film. And I, I, won't, I won't say I was disappointed that he lived because I was glad that he did. But when in that moment built up when I thought he was going to die, I thought that was absolutely beautiful. And I was like, I'm ready to cry for this man because I love him. And it was taken away from him, but for a, for a beautiful reason. That's not how we're going to win. You know, that's how we're going to win, not by fighting what we hate, but by saving what we love. One of the best lines you could ever possibly hope to pass on to your own actual children. So I, and I, if you really want me to quibble though, I, I could do without Canto Bite. <laughs> Canto Bite does not work for me yeah. at all. And DJ is. I'm really curious. You know, why is that? I just, I think it, it just, I won't say it. I think it interrupts the pace of a beautiful narrative about character and becomes this weird uh, socioeconomic com commentary on wealth and and really weird aliens that don't really function for the story and really cold sanitary THX-11138 police forces and, and, and just throwing Benicio Del Toro in there just to get him in there. I just... I don't think it works at all, and it never pays off later. They could have done something else with those characters. Um, I just, I just, if I, when I watch the last Jedi, of course, I, I will never fast forward over a scene in a Star Wars movie. But if I were, if I were pressed, <laughs> I would skip that. There you go. I, I don't think it <clears throat> serves. I don't think I learn anything about any of these characters from anything that happens in that. See, I've, I've said something similar where if I had to cut maybe fifteen minutes from the movie. Canto Bite is probably what I would cut. Yeah. You know, if if I was forced to. I I, I don't mind it. I, I think it's probably the weakest part of the film. And I think I think Finn's journey is probably the least obvious change. Um mm -hmm. I, I don't know if I he's would not a, he's very deep character. He's he's not. He's not. And, and he and John Boyega was frustrated with that. Yeah. He should have been. Yeah. And and I, I definitely agree with his frustration, and I see that. Mm -hmm. I think Finn is a fun character, but he doesn't yeah. have, he's not written with the same depth that mm -hmm. Kylo or Ray uh, or, and Rose. Even, or, or Rose or even um, Poe gets. And I think Poe was a fairly shallow character in Force Awakens. Um, and he gets mm -hmm. a lot more depth in this one. And it's just unfortunate. I think there was a big thing missed with, with Finn's background as a stormtrooper, a former stormtrooper. That, that never really comes back around very much. I mean, there's the infiltration, right? But Star Wars characters infiltrate things all the time in all movies and get away with it almost all the time. So that feels like a very Star Warsy thing. But his background, uh, like, I feel like there there could have been more where he runs into someone he used to know. Uh, and, and this is, you know, an opportunity I feel like that was missed in Rise of Skywalker too. I keep coming back to it, but... You know, there was there was never really any payoff for that. I do think it's really, I love seeing uh, Rose and DJ contrasted with each other. I think those are the two perfect characters to have in the same room because they are so different. And Finn is kind of like Ray searching for his destiny in the film. 
And I think that he, I think I agree with you, Dan, where he knows that he doesn't want to be with anything to do with the first order, but he, I don't think he's committed to like caring about other people other than mm-hmm. rain. Right. Agreed. Selfish versus selfless, which yeah. is why the end is so amazing. And yes, thank you for correcting me because I didn't mean which side. <laughs> he clearly wants to. Oh leave no! First order. <laughs> I knew that. Yeah. We knew you knew that. Okay, yeah, good. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but course. again, Finn. Again, I said this last last time. Finn doesn't have a theme song, so Finn's getting the short end of the stick left and right. I mean, you know, and when you a said major that on your last show, it yeah. blew my mind. I was like, oh my gosh! It, it, but and then I felt better because Han Solo didn't have one until yeah. John Powell and John Williams. That's first, true. The solo movie. That's true. But he has the Han and Leia theme. So there's even that, he's getting a little bit of love. There's not a, you know, Rose and Finn theme. Nothing. I don't know. Rose and no, it, Jenna theme. I, I would love to ask John Williams what happened there. Yeah. <laughs> we should. Did you, for, did you forget about get him, him? Get him on the show. Yeah. Um, I was in the room with him, but I didn't <laughs> hold him down. Look, I need to know why. Tell me why. Um, so really quickly, this is this is gonna sound sacrilegious in a way. Not a fan of the Yoda puppet. That is sacrilegious. Yeah, get I, off this I, podcast. Man, I'm happy banished. to co-host with you when you <laughs> let's do it. Kick Craig out. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying he had to be the digital version of but like he just his lips weird. It just doesn't it doesn't look like Empire Strikes Back Yoda to me. And it that I mean clearly it's I love that the fact that they went back and like hey we're gonna have a puppet, but it takes me a little bit out of the film because it just doesn't look right to me. Are you Bizarro, Craig? <laughs> Who is this guy? Didn't they like cuss? Didn't they find the old Empire Strikes yeah. Back mold? Yeah, they did. But I've like- also I've also read that like there's an addition to the lip that they did uh, in in Empire and back in the eighties. Oh man, I, and they maybe didn't you're just do used it on this- to the CGI Phantom Menace. Yeah, oh, see, I've been watching just, the prequels too much. I have also been watching the original trilogy in, in class. I just watched Empire last week. It's it's not the same. Was it good? Oh uh, yeah, it was really well, good. No, it's not I liked the it a same. lot. <laughs> it was much better than cats. Yeah. No, I, um, no, I, I love you, buddy, but I don't. Yeah, I, 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 I don't, don't agree. Hey, I think, well, I think that's a, it's a personal yeah. quibble. That's yeah, it's, that's it's fine. a personal default or defect with you. It's, <laughs> your no, sponsors to do paying you by the quibble. Is that what's going on here? Well, again, like anybody can get on and just say, "I love the movie." Here, that's I don't have anything else to say. I love this. I That'd love be this. boring. That's yeah. incredibly boring. So I try to argue with Matt as much as I can. Mm. Well, I will say this because you brought up Yoda, <laughs> and I and you won't you won't disagree, uh, but Yoda is amazing, and I think the the reason for that is the one line that he says, which is the greatest teacher. Yes. Very oh, actually, no, that's not the one I was thinking oh. of. So when Yoda says, "We are what they grow beyond." Yes. That's oh, the true burden of all masters. Oh, oh, and I so wanted to bring good. this up oh. in particular because all three of us are teachers. Yep. You two are parents. I'm not yet. And and for me, it, it it strikes a personal chord because one thing as a teacher I have felt is like, what if I mess my students up? Like that's a personal fear that I've had. It's like, what if I'm not good enough and and they get messed up for something? And that spoke to me on such a deep personal level. And, and I know people have said that uh, same thing as a parent, too, where it's like it's not about your personal defects as a teacher or a parent because it's the kids are going to go beyond that, you know, and, and what they become and as they grow and they mature and they become something else, you know, it's OK, basically, to be human. It's OK to be flawed. And what a beautiful moment 
with with Yoda and with Luke, even if his lips are moving weird, I think it's beautiful. And 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 that is just one of one of the my favorite parts in, in any Star Wars film. And that's also one of the reasons why I love the movie is because there's several moments that are like my favorite moments. And, I, you know, I can keep saying that about all sorts of different scenes within the movie. But any any thoughts from you guys? Oh, plenty. Greg, you go ahead if you want to go first. Well, I and I know, Dan, you're a huge fan of the greatest teacher failure is as, mm-hmm. as Yoda's line. I mean, that's that one. Uh, let the past die. Kill it if you have to is another one where it's. Like, here's the theme of the movie. We're moving beyond, you know, what has come before. You need to let go, which is, you know. It's a, called meta-commentary. Exactly. <laughs> right? It's going to be okay if this movie has flashbacks in it. I and, mean, the villain's yeah. a Vader fanboy. So. He's a Vader fanboy. It's okay yes. if, if BB-8 says, I have a bad feeling about this, and you can't understand hmm. what he says. Right. You know, it's, but also, we have everything we need. I mean, there's so much meta-commentary in this film um, mm. that's, you know, if you're paying attention, like he he's definitely challenging us, but but also letting us know it's going to be okay. We we are. Uh, what's read the exact line for me again? Um, we are what they grow beyond. That's the true burden yeah. of all masters. So when when I I actually gasped, I audibly gasped when I heard that in the theater because I thought, oh, Yoda gets it, man. Yoda gets what so many parents, so many soccer parents don't, soccer soccer moms don't get. You're, we're just one piece of the puzzle. You know, as a teacher, as a parent, I hope I make, I plant some seeds. I hope I make an impact. I hope that I help them and inspire them. But at the end of the day, they grow beyond me. And I'm just going to be a footnote, even with my own kids. Is that sad and scary? Well, sure. But it's also not because it's very human. And, you know, I think about the impact my parents had on me, you know, good, bad, and indifferent. And I'm the same way. Like, that's that's life. Luke, let go of what you think happened with Ben. Let go of what you think you how you might fail Ray or you might help her because you're just a piece of the puzzle, man. Get over yourself. That is the big lesson that Luke has to learn. And wow, don't we need that. Just going just gonna to marinate on that. Back to the meat. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So that's that's for me what brings it back to where this film feels more mature, you know, what we talked about at the beginning. Brave. Yeah. Brave film. And, and I think it, it tries to, to penetrate deep into that human condition and, and get to kind of the core of it. You know, as a teacher, Luke was not the best and that's okay. And that's what he learns at the end. Yeah, just because you're good at just because you're talented doesn't mean you're good at it. I mean, like you know, you can teach it or vice versa. You're a good basketball player doesn't make you a good coach, mm-hmm. right? Good coach doesn't mean you're you know all the way. Here we go. Yeah, I just want to say too, just about the film that as much as it challenges us, I think that there's nothing in the film that breaks Star Wars in a sense that there's nothing that you can't connect logically, if that makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. even things like the dyad and the whole force time thing, you know, you can go back to Kenobi's statement about how the force binds the galaxy together. Everything is a logical extension. Luke's characterization, which I know a lot of people have issue with, with like, that's not my Luke Skywalker. But like we've walked through that multiple times uh, tonight talking about how this makes sense that this would be the way things could go 30 years from now. That this makes sense how he could have not shared with Ben his 
his failures, you know, his failure in the cave, like how great of a lesson would that have been? Here's what I did wrong. This is the, and because of that, this is why I have this metal hand, for instance. I mean, he's going to have to tell that story at some point, isn't he? You'd think, and maybe he has, I don't know. Yeah. I hope, I hope we get, uh, to me, the, the missing piece of the puzzle is all those years, I think it's 13 years, where Luke and Ben train together. There's so much meat on that. Gosh, well, that is just going to be, if we ever get that, that would be fabulous. Yeah. It, it's right like, for someone to make a story out of that. I, I would like an animated series of 13 years long. <laughs> would that be the best? Yeah, be the best. Every second. Here's them having Or Disney lunch. Plus. There you Disney go. Plus. See, yeah. There you go. We're available for pitch meetings Let's anytime do it. you want. There you go. <laughs> Let's do it. We'll write it. Let's I know do it. some people. Let's go. <laughs> I think the last, last thing for me was uh, the hold on maneuver and, and how kind of extraordinary that was. And I, I was reminded that uh, theaters had to post little stickers or pieces of paper on the outside of the theater door saying that, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, there's there's... There's silence in the movie. It was it's artistic intent, like nothing's broken. Don't worry. Uh, fantastic little scene. That's one of again one of my favorite parts of the movie. Uh, it's such a heroic thing to do for Holdo, and we see her in a in a fantastic light. And I'm really curious what you think, Dan, about Holdo, uh, her decision to withhold information from Poe, and uh, Craig. You, you kind of remind me, you know, talking about breaking Star Wars, that was one of the big quibbles online was that the Holdo maneuver broke Star Wars because if you can just ram a ship, then why why not do that all the time? And I'm just kind of curious on your thoughts. Uh, one of the reasons you wouldn't do it all the time is because people would die <laughs> and it would break a lot of ships. <laughs> uh, that's, you know, to me, verisimilitude is so important and people sometimes miss that. I love it. I think it's great. It was a, a talk about a beautiful piece of, of cinematic storytelling using sound and lighting and, and dramatic effect to really punctuate a moment that we've never seen in Star Wars before. And that's that's another thing where, like, there's a lot of things that happen that, yeah, they haven't happened before in Star Wars, but that doesn't mean they can happen. Are we, are we just going to walk in place? Or are we going to move the story forward? I love her character. I don't blame her for not telling Poe. I mean, if I have a petulant child who is willfully going against what I think to be right and I'm the person in charge and I and I have the wisdom and experience to back that up, get on the train with me or don't, but I'm certainly not going to give you the keys of the kingdom when the survival of what we're trying to do is at stake. I think I don't think she had any other choice. Well, and she clearly knows what happened with you know, with the beginning of the film with his with yeah. his bombing run and that's one thing that I had early on was just looking at like it's so foolhardy what he did like he cost so many lives for for what because he really didn't hurt the first order that much like it was mm. definitely a hubris thing wanting to be hey we could take out a dreadnought how cool would that be it's like uh, spiking the football in the first quarter after a first down exactly so Holdo knows who Poe is she's familiar with what he's just done he's not really demonstrating the, the ability to be trusted at this point. You know, and even just his first interaction with her is like, yep, want to know what's going on and has conveniently forgotten that he's been demoted. You know, that's like her first line to him. <laughs> Captain, right? You you were demoted, right? And so you can almost look at it like, well, she's just reacting to him. Right. And, you know, with the chain of command being what it is, she doesn't have to tell him. Mm-hmm. And he's not really, you know, he's definitely, he's a guy who just wants to jump in and blow stuff up. So, this is not a, he, he's not going to like this plan. He clearly hates the plan as soon as he finds out what it is. 
So he would not have been a whole lot of help with the plan had he known about it from the beginning. Exactly. So you know what's really weird is we've done an episode. We've been talking for over an hour. And we haven't talked about porgs. Or uh, Leia. We haven't or, talked or about Leia. the Leia scene. Oh, my gosh. The Leia scene didn't work for me. I have to say that. <laughs> Are you serious? Uh, yeah. Oh, I think it's great. Oh. <laughs> I guess this okay, might be voted off the island. Yes. But. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Please tell us why it doesn't work for you, Matt. Yeah. You know, I. it comes, for me, it, it came down to uh, Kylo killing Han. And that was such a meaningful death for the character. And him not firing at Leia was amazing. I think that's a very interesting choice. Um, but she does get sucked out into space. And I guess I think for me, uh, with the news that Carrie Fisher had passed, I was kind of ready at that moment to let her go and to kind of see her pass away. There was a little too much of the real world like mixed up in all that, I guess. And, very fair. And it, for me, it was like, okay, she's gone. And I understand, uh, I think in one of the behind the scenes, Ryan said, like, if this is going to be our last film, I want as much of her in the movie as possible. And I and I love the stuff with Luke afterward. So I'm, I'm glad that he chose that. But it, the, like the, the CGI just, it didn't look good to me. It just felt off. Um, every time I see the scene, uh, I hear, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all, as she's floating <laughs> to the starship. And I can't get that out of my head. And it, that's what it feels like. And it just, it, it, it doesn't have the gravitas for me that I think mm. they were aiming for. And so it just feels dissonant. Like it doesn't quite work and never really has. I don't know. I respect that. Yeah, that's fair. I, 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 think, ahead, Craig. I think it's beautiful. I think I, I love the fact that we get the force theme bleeding into Leia's theme and that we get kind of, the payoff that we didn't get in Force Awakens were because we're, I, I was anticipating, I think a lot of people were, that Leia would be full on Jedi by the time we get to Force Awakens because we kind of get the, you know, you get the, it's hinted at, it's pretty strongly in Return of the Jedi that Luke's going to train her. Uh, even like one of the last things she says, like, yeah, I can feel it, you know, when Luke survives the Death Star 2 explosion. And so to kind of get a little bit of payoff of, yeah, she's Force, of course she'd be Force sensitive. She's Anakin Skywalker's kid. Uh, to do that, and then you know we'd also seen precedent of that in you know in, in the canon. We'd seen you know Kane and Jarrus on Rebels do almost that exact thing uh, prior to that. So I, having seen that, I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense that she'd be able to pull herself in, back in with the Force. So I never had a problem with it. It does kind of look like her body <laughs> position is a little Mary Poppinsy. I, I will cop to that, uh, but it, it never bothered me. I do have to say one quick thing because you know. When I first saw it, there's this idea, I think, that if you get sucked out into space, you're dead instantly. And I've since looked it up, and I don't think that's scientifically true. You know, I don't know how much they've actually tested this, but I don't believe... Not a lot of volunteers. <laughs> <laughs> Hard pass. But I think they've, like, created vacuum-like environments on Earth, and they've done some testing and that you wouldn't just it's like one of those things like in old movies you know you fire a gun on an airplane a little bolt sized hole and then everyone gets like sucked over that I don't think that's actually what would happen I think we saw it I saw it on Mythbusters that's not how it works but in like in my imagination that's how it does and I think that might be for a lot of people where it's like oh if you get sucked out into space you're dead like that's just how it is and so that's just another little thing that like didn't quite meet what I was expecting. Fair. I, I think the scene is 
is another reason why this film is a masterpiece. The way that her her cloak and her clothing is, the way it is splayed out, to me, doesn't remind me of Mary Poppins. It reminds me of what we're probably doing in space. I mean, without when it's weightless and it's a heavy garment, even though there was no weight, it's still got to go somewhere, right? It's not just going to go suck in. So that made sense to me. If, and you alluded to this, Craig, if Leia Organa, the brother, the sister of arguably the greatest Jedi of all, and the daughter of the chosen one, if she doesn't have some sort of reflexive force reaction to things, then we got a problem. Then I don't know what Star Wars is because I always thought, and we see it in the Empire Strikes Back, she knows to go back to Cloud City because Luke is hanging on that weather vane. We know that she can sense um, that Luke wasn't on the Death Star, the second Death Star when it exploded. We know that she's got the Force in her, and canonically in Leia's, uh, Claudia Gray's Leia, Princess of Alderaan, there's a scene that very much is the foreshadowing of this moment. Now, you don't, you shouldn't have to read that to understand the movie, and I don't think that you do. But it's just like, you know, the the the, the Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno, Incredible Hulk TV series, you're experimenting with what would happen in this incredible adrenaline pack situation? I would hope that the force would kick in. Any latent training that she has would kick in to get her just inside. And she still almost dies, but she still has to be on a ventilator. Yeah. And then she's not the same. And later it does it does take a toll on her health throughout the next year. So I I would be really disappointed if she just died in space. I think that would be... Well, I certainly understand what you're saying about losing Carrie Fisher and, and how uncanny and, and frightening that was. If that's how we were going to lose her, I think it would have been a huge disservice. I think that's fair. Did, we, did I, I convince you? <laughs> you know, thinking about it more, I, I think it's just the look. The CGI doesn't work for me. It, it's it's like, it's one of those things. It's that the just execution. Pull, it, it pulls me out of the movie. And once I'm pulled out, I start thinking about other things. And it, it just, fair. I mean, I do completely agree with both of you that. You know, it didn't bother me that she used the force and I wish no. we would have seen more of her using the force. And so it does. That part makes sense. It, it's just, yeah, the execution of it didn't didn't quite work for me. Totally fair. I mean, Absolutely. that's that's my thing with Yoda. I mean, it's literally the same. Like, I love that he's there. I love that he, what he says. I, the execution pulls me out. And, you know, there's there's a million moving parts uh, in every film and they're not always going to fire on all cylinders. It just kind of is the way it is. So, final thoughts. Final thoughts on the Last Jedi. I I just want to start talking about Rise of Skywalker. I mean, that's <laughs> that's. <laughs> you want to be depressed? Next. That's the, it's I, I, gonna I, be I want to embrace fun the to anger. Talk about it. I yeah. want to I want to do my Kylo Ren impression. <laughs> I I want to take out my anger and frustration. I mean, <laughs> the Last Jedi. Is a fan, I'm just gonna walk. <laughs> the Last Jedi is a fantastic end to the Skywalker saga. Mm. We have everything we need. And we did. <laughs> we and really we did in the movie. We had everything that we needed. Yeah, we do. And and that's I I don't know about you, but um I'm a big fan of Game of Thrones. I've and, only seen uh, the first season. Okay. Well, uh seasons like one through four, fantastic. Five through six, okay. And uh or five through seven, yeah. And then eight, horrible. And it's just left a sour taste in my mouth ever since. And that's kind of how I feel about The Last Jedi is uh, fantastic, but you can't really uh, divorce it from the things that come before and after it. Uh, they, they all kind of string together in the Skywalker saga. 
And so as amazing as The Last Jedi is, you know, I, I have to think about it in the context of the other movies. Um, and that's that's where it comes up with Rise of Skywalker because, I, you know, I want to make those connections uh, with that film. And, you know, I think it's a very good jumping off point from The Force Awakens. And, you know, as we've discussed, I think it, it does a lot of things very brilliantly. A few things here and there that, you know, not not so brilliantly, but overall, it's a, a, a very, very good movie. I think one thing we didn't talk about, and it's hard to because there's a lot, there's a lot of nuggets here, is the, the throne room sequence, the suspense of Kylo Ren turning on Snoke, the team up between Rey and Kylo Ren against the Praetorian Guards, is the best lightsaber sequence in all of Star Wars. And I, I, I mean, there's a lot of, and that's pretty high bar because there's a lot of great stuff. There's a lot of epic sequences. But to me, it doesn't get much better than that for narrative power. I mean, if I can take my wife to this movie who does not care that much about Star Wars, if that sequence can happen where the lightsaber flies and splits Snoke in half and, and, and Ray catches it, if my wife can look at me and say, wow and get so excited that to me that's great storytelling because you're, mm-hmm. you're convincing someone who's very not a fan to be sucked into the narrative power of what this means the legacy of this lightsaber is right here and, here, and we're off to the races i i love this movie it's one of my favorite movies of all time if not for my love of star wars and empire because of those are what sucked me in this will probably be my favorite star wars movie so i just had a couple a couple of last things um we are they quibbles? Of, uh, no, <laughs> they're not quibbles this time. Uh, hashtag no quibbles. Um, th- we talked a lot about Luke and uh, why we think that it makes sense for Luke. But what we didn't didn't really talk about is the fact that Ryan Johnson was really kind of painted into a corner by the end of Force Awakens, or Luke's absence in The Force Awakens. And I really think that the line, where's Han, sums everything up beautifully that he had to have cut himself off because we talked about the Superman thing. We talked about that last episode too, that if Luke is in Force Awakens, that movie is very short. And so you have to have this situation where Luke is a shell of himself. Otherwise, why he's, he has, otherwise he would have been in the, in the last movie. And so I think that Ryan Johnson is given a really interesting puzzle to figure out and he did it beautifully. And so anyone who has a problem with, well, how come Luke's not, you know, the all-powerful Jedi that I saw at the end of Mandalorian Season 2, for instance, well, you should first ask J.J. Abrams why that's the case. Because he was not in that film that way. My last thing that I want to say is that I agree, Matt, with what you said about you have to look at this movie in the context of Episode 7 and Episode 9. And so it's kind of limited in that way. I mean, I'm talking about why Finn doesn't have force powers because that's something that they or is alluded to because it's alluded to in episode nine and like because i can't kind of i can't separate i'm always thinking of context or anything else but that makes me very excited for ryan johnson's trilogy give the man some room that's not connected to everything else let him tell his story from beginning middle and end that he gets to plan out and i'm all in because that's what that's a story that i'm very interested in to see because i do believe that he knows how to go back to the well to figure out, we talked about earlier, not to base Star Wars on Star Wars, but to base Star Wars on the things that Star Wars was based on. I think he has a great understanding of that. And I'm really excited to see what he could do uh, when given that freedom. I am into that. 
And and why? And let's not forget when we first saw the Force Awakens for the first time in our lives, how excited we felt that we were seeing Luke like that, and then we were there was a cliffhanger. I mean, that's great. That was that was great, powerful storytelling. And I, I've I've always been a proponent, whether it's comics or novels or Disney Plus or films or wh- whatever the case may be. A good writer, a good storyteller, can make anything work. They just can. And I and I think that we saw that in this movie. And we saw there were moments in The Rise of Skywalker, but unfortunately, we're going to have to wait till another time to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dan, before we get out of here, uh, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on the interwebs and the internet and the World Wide Web and all those places? Yes, yes, yes. On your Google machines, boys yeah. and girls. <laughs> Well, Matt and Craig, thanks, guys. This was insanely fun. This was even, I was really fired up all day, and this was even better than I than I anticipated. So thank you so much for having me on. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Zer, M-R-Z-E-H-R. If you have a podcast or blog or want to start your own, I, you can certainly go to danzymedia.com. I can help you take that first step into a larger world. You can find my writing on starwars.com and occasionally on IGN. There is um, a book called The Star Wars Book, which you can find on Amazon.com, which is part of the canon, even though it's not in the movies. Um, <laughs> that was for Matt. Um, and uh, that I wrote with Paolo Hidalgo and Cole Horton. And of course, you can find me each and every week, twice a week, actually, on Coffee with Kenobi. We have Facebook Live Monday nights at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. The regular show comes out on Thursdays, and Coffee with Kenobi is all over social media. So just as we close, we want to say thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook, or you can email us at readingbetweenreels at gmail.com. And if you haven't yet, please join our Facebook group. It's a safe place to share your thoughts and discuss all things related to movies. 